Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Kick is live. It is Thursday night, January 20th, year of our Lord, 2022. Fingers crossed. We've waited all day. No big news has broken. And so just, if you're watching, Jim Harbaugh, Caleb Williams, Jackson Dart, just give us like 45 minutes and then do whatever you want to do. Live your lives after about 7.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are jam-packed high atop downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Another dusting of snow last night. Second snowiest January on record so far. Still got a little ways to go. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, we're going to talk about it tonight. I mean, this is real. He could really be headed to the NFL. We'll give you the very latest, what we know. I'm going to give you a little bit of what we think. And then we'll just irresponsibly speculate wildly about what would happen if he did leave Michigan. Caleb Williams is still out there in the transfer portal as of this very moment. And I stress, as of this very moment, Jackson Dart still in the transfer portal as of this very moment. Got some news about Jalen Moody, the Alabama linebacker. If I remember to, I'll share that with you. You know what? I won't remember. Here's the news uh, from BamaOnline.com. Looks like Jalen Moody is going to pop right out of the transfer portal and stay at Alabama. It be that way sometimes. Sometimes you go in, sometimes you come out. Transfer portal is weird that way. We've got to continue the mood tracker tonight. We did Florida the other night, got great reception on it. We're doing Penn State tonight. And I got to tell you, I probably should have picked a different team because I like to choose the ones that are very clear to start off. And then we sort of, we sort of calibrate everything and then we get into the mood tracker season. Penn State's a tough mood tracker to nail down right now, but we're going to do it tonight. And we got some Q&A, so we've got a loaded show for you. We're jam-packed. Here's the deal. I know some of you, in fact, a large chunk of our audience, you are brand new. You just came with us this, this past football season. And I just want to stress the word season is very relative around here because we don't do an off version of that word. We don't even say the whole word. We whisper it if we have to. Off season. It's not something that we do. So stick with us now. We're not going to get filler full. We're not going to give you shows full of filler. We're going to bring it. And so we're doing two live shows per week right now. But we're jam-packed tonight. And it is very, very nice to uh, have you along with us. So stay locked in and let's go. <sighs> Jim Harbaugh is, as of this moment, the head coach at Michigan. We don't know if he will be this time next week. It's a very, very strange timetable when you have college football coaches who are flirting with the NFL. But... There are several benefits to doing this show live. We do Late Kick Live, uh, just as it sounds like in the description, live. So right now, uh, we're downtown Nashville, and it's 7.02 p.m. on Thursday night. Uh, that's great. There's no safety net under the show. We don't get redos. I love that. I came up in the radio world. But there is one downside to that. You walk into the studio completely and utterly terrified when you think something could be breaking. And so I've got we got PAs, we got Colin in here, we got Jesse in here, and they are hitting refresh, refresh, refresh to make sure that nothing happens while we're on the air. So Jim, Jim, just give me a few minutes, buddy. Jim Harbaugh's still the head coach at Michigan right now. What do we know? We know the speculation is real here. And the speculation is that Jim Harbaugh could be very interested in the Las Vegas Raiders job. This is not some classic, you know, Jimmy Sexton leverage maneuver. We were very familiar with that down south. Uh, Jim Harbaugh does not have Jimmy Sexton as his agent. In fact, 
I'll give you $100 if you can tell me who Jim Harbaugh's agent is. Because no one really knows. I mean, he kind of represents himself. He may get some help here and there. I know what that's all about because I live the Jim Harbaugh life. I don't officially have one either. But I do get some encouragement on this side and I get some help and advice on that side. So Jim Harbaugh and I, I kind of always had a familiar feeling in the back of my mind that we were very similar. But Bruce Feldman, who is easily as dialed in as anyone on this, has tweeted out as recently as the last 24 hours that according to his sources in the Michigan program, might I add, according to his sources, not only is the smoke real, the expectation is if Jim Harbaugh's offered that Raiders job, he's going to take it. So that's about as real as it gets. We have Las Vegas B-roll, which I did not know. So outside of that, we don't really know a whole lot. And here's the thing. When the circle's that small, when you don't have an entire agency working at your behest, and when there is no motivation on the university side for anyone to leak anything, it's tough for any kind of discernible information to leak out. So that's where we are right now. But also what we don't have is a timetable. But here's what my personal feel on this is. I have no reason to doubt Bruce Feldman's report. But above and beyond that, there's a chance that Jim Harbaugh could just be genuinely torn here. And I feel like that's the case. Now, this hasn't happened in the past, you know, three or four days. This has been kind of simmering beneath the surface. And any time that you've tried to close the lid on coaching carousel season, anyone who knows anything in the industry has always told you, well, don't do it quite yet. Season's not over yet. The coaching carousel season's not over. You got to find out what Harbaugh is going to do. And we don't know what he's going to do yet. So let me ask you this, Michigan fan or otherwise, what if he does leave? What is the feel? on Jim Harbaugh if he does leave. Because I got to tell you, I was talking to one of my Michigan buddies late last night, actually. And this came up, as, as is the case with any Michigan-based conversation I have right now. Here's what he said, and I totally agree with this. The Ohio State game obviously changed everything. And to me, to a lesser extent, the Iowa Big Ten Championship game changed everything. If they were making a movie about Jim Harbaugh, let's say he leaves tomorrow and goes to Las Vegas. If they were making a movie, I think the final scene in the movie would be the Ohio State game and would be him wandering around on the field in a sea of humanity. And I'm trying to tail him with the eye, Josh, as best I can, but he's getting hugs from everyone. He's getting high fives from everyone. They finally reached uh, what looked to be an insurmountable peak there for a long time in that rivalry. And they got there and they did it in, in very, very profound fashion. And I think that if you're watching it right now on YouTube, like that to me would be the closing scene. That is what people will remember if that does end up being his last season about Jim Harbaugh and his final year at Michigan. Yes, they go on to win the Big Ten Championship, but it almost seemed like a formality at that point. It almost seems like you would watch the movie and this is where the credits would start to roll. And, and you know, then there would be a little postscript. Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team went on to win the Big Ten before they were put out in the semifinals of the playoff. But this really was the crescendo right here. What if that had not happened? What if they had gone 10-2 and two this year, but the losses were to Michigan State and to Ohio State, and then he left? I think it would be one of the most hollow feelings and one of the most hollow exits that you see in sports. But because this happened, that literally changed everything to where now, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, I think most Michigan folks feel this way. They don't want to see him go, but if they do see him go, it would be so amicable. I mean, it would be, it would be so docile. There would be no villatrol. There would be no anger. It would be, let's shake hands. Let's hug. Let's embrace. 
you thank us, we thank you, and we wish you well on your way. Now, how often does that happen in college football, especially when a guy is leaving his alma mater and he's not being fired? He is voluntarily leaving them to go to greener pastures as he sees them. It would be one of the tamest parting of ways in recent memory to me. But then immediately, you know, once you shake his hand and you watch his car taillights fade in the distance, then you got to say, all right, who are we hiring? That's what people really want to know. Where would Michigan go? This is not going to catch them off guard. That, that at least is one of the fortunate aspects of this. While you and I have been busy just speculating whether he's going to leave or not, anyone with half a brain about themselves in a position of power in Ann Arbor has been very, very busy getting their ducks in a row and doing some due diligence and understanding where they'll turn. And so could it be Matt Campbell? Sure, it could be. Could it be Dave Aranda? Going to be a tough get, but I would always kick those tires. Uh, Jeff Halfley over there at BC, that's a popular name. I've seen some people throw around Luke Fickle. I'll tell you another name that to me has a surprising amount of traction in Michigan fan circles that I don't know would have as much traction inside the athletic department up there. And that's Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis is the offensive coordinator there right now. Now, Gaddis, you would look at him, and I brought his name up earlier today, and one of our guys said, yeah, hey, you know, you can doubt him, but who knew how good a coach Ryan Day would be until he got a shot? That's true technically. I would follow that up with, is Ryan Day the rule? Is he the exception? Do we want to let a guy learn on our dime? And do we want to let a first-time head coach use Michigan as his proving ground, they run the program, not me. I am a believer that they're going to value head coaching experience if and when they have to fill this head coaching position. And so with that in mind, that list, like Halfley would be a great hire there. Dave Aranda would be the best hire of the cycle to me. Uh, Matt Campbell, selfishly, I don't want to mention his name much here, and you know why if you have followed the program. But that's going to be um, not fun if you're a Michigan fan. It's going to be interesting if you're a Michigan fan and you extend out beyond that, it'd be one of the biggest stories in all of sports, not just college football, uh, throughout the rest of January and then going into February. But how would his legacy be remembered at Michigan? I go back to a couple of minutes ago when we just talked about how this past season ended. Not the Georgia loss, but the fact that they punched a ticket to the playoff period less than one calendar year after they restructured his contract just to let him stay around. And he beats Ohio State and he ends up winning the Big Ten championship game, I think he would be viewed as a success there. Having said all that, I think they would look back on his tenure fondly because of the way it ended. And I would, I would think that there would be an open invitation anytime he wants to come back to town. I mean, it's, if he's going to exit, now's about as good a time as any to do it. And that's a big if, if he's going to do it. I think the guy may very well be torn right now on whether to do it or not. Uh, if you listen to the Late Kick Extra podcast, we have developed a habit. Don't know if it's a good one, but we've developed a habit. I take it as a personal challenge to fool you into not realizing we are in the middle of an ad read until we're in it. Now, this is not the Late Kick Extra podcast. It's Late Kick Live. You can listen to it as a podcast if you wait 24 hours. But the other day, I thought I did about as good a job as I could possibly do. And what that means is... After every A block, we have our partners at Academy Sports and Outdoors who quite literally pull up to the building every day and pay a certain amount of money so that we can turn on the lights and pay a certain amount of money so we can get the stream to you. That's called uh, advertising partnership. And uh, in exchange, I try and get you to buy stuff from them about this time every show. And a lot of times if you're listening to a podcast out there, 
you hear papers crumpling around or you hear a mouse clicking because someone's pulling up what is called ad copy. And that is where that company either does not trust you or just trust themselves a lot more. And so they send you every word that they want you to say. Well, Academy, when we were talking to them and we formed our partnership with them, they said, we can do that. But look, we, we've watched the show. If you just want to wing it, go ahead and wing it. We'll let you know in general if there's stuff that we want you to say. But I have had fun with that. I've enjoyed that. You've enjoyed it. We've had a lot of fun with it. You guys started taking pictures of your receipts and emailing the company and all sorts of things that at first I didn't prompt you to do, but then I started prompting you to do because it made us look real good. <laughs> and it still does make us look real good. But look, here's the bottom line. We reemphasize this once or twice a week. This company, Academy Sports and Outdoors, lets us do anything that we want to do. It gives us the freedom to do anything we want to do. And so if you are a viewer of this show, then you're part of this family. And if you consume other products out there and you hear 14 ad reads mixed in throughout the product and you get tired of that, this company right here makes it so we don't have to do that. And so if you appreciate that, like I do, then just give them a visit every now and then, whether it's academy.com or Academy Sports and Outdoors. And there's a weird transitional sort of season coming up. The further south you live, the further you know this is true. Yeah, you got cold days still, but you also know, like if you're signing the kids up, those flyers have already started to go out. Baseball season, tryouts are about a month away. And so you know what you have to purchase. You already know that. That is a given. That is a constant in life. The variable is where you're going to go. And so I humbly suggest, uh, nay, implore, that you just check out Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you don't have one in your neighborhood, academy.com is there for not only your needs, Jimmy, but also little Jimmy's needs. Jimmy, uh, where would he be from? Probably Jessup. Jimmy from Jessup, Wayne from Wetumpka, uh, Clayton from Clio. These are all towns in Alabama. I don't know why. Uh, just check out Academy Sports and Outdoors. And when you go there, even though the cashiers are very unlikely to have ever heard my name, tell them I sent you anyway. Why not? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Jesse, I'm going to check with you before we start the segment. Have we had any breaking news or can we proceed the way that we planned on proceeding here? Okay, we can proceed. Okay, cross your fingers because this could go off the rails any second. Transfer portals on fire. I have said that to lead every transfer portal portion of the show that we've done over the past month. Uh, that's because it is. Caleb Williams, as of this moment, is still out there. He's still floating around in the portal. What's it like in the portal? Only a very select few of us will ever know. I just want to reemphasize what we said the other night, and then I want to further emphasize it with something from Chris Hummer today. While USC has and still continues to be viewed the leader in the clubhouse here, this is not a formality. He is not a lock to USC. 
with that in mind, I would encourage you to go to 247sports.com and check out the latest from Chris Hummer today. He gave you a very comprehensive update about Caleb Williams, about Jackson Dart. And here's what we do know. And I want to stick to what we know now because I think it's become pretty obvious there is very, very little new information coming out of this camp. Uh, they, they have closed things off and staffs aren't talking. They have no motivation to talk. Hummer's done a lot of digging on this and I credit him and it's a really, really comprehensive feature there on 247sports.com. Here's what we do know. Caleb Williams, five-star quarterback, number one player in the portal. He has visited USC. He has visited UCLA. Oklahoma, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the logo there. And you may think to yourself, why would you include Oklahoma? Isn't he leaving there? Oklahoma, just because he was the quarterback there and he entered the transfer portal, doesn't mean they're out of it. He could just as easily do what it looks like Jalen Moody from Alabama has done. You go in the portal. You don't like how it smells in here. You exit the portal. You go right back to your dorm room. He could do that. Uh, Hummer in his feature today stressed that Oklahoma's not out of this. Now, Oklahoma's got Dylan Gabriel there, and they're also trying to get Jackson Dart, who we'll talk about more in just a second. So, you know, it's you shop, we shop, and the high likelihood is that Caleb Williams will be somewhere other than Norman, but they haven't given up hope there. Now, there's a date that may or may not mean a whole lot, and that's January 28th. So that is eight days away from when we're doing the show live tonight. Why is 128 so important? Well, I know that some of you have been told otherwise, but as of now, these are still students, and that means the, this, those pesky drop ad dates for classes, when does a semester start and all that sort of stuff, it still matters. And so at USC, they are on the semester system, and the drop ad date is January 28th. Now, there is some thinking that if Caleb Williams is going to choose USC, maybe he wants to have it out of the way by then. Across town at UCLA, they're on the quarter system. More and more, you're realizing the programs on the quarter system have given themselves a giant advantage when it comes to the transfer portal for obvious reasons here. You can wait a lot later there. But there's this other camp, and Hummer made sure to mention this today, that says it doesn't matter at any point. I mean, don't kid yourself. On February 3rd, if Caleb Williams wakes up and says, I think I've made a mistake. I want to be at USC. They're going to find a way to get him to USC. Now, what about Jackson Dart? So Jackson Dart was at USC and technically kind of still is until he finds a new home. He's in the transfer portal too. Any minute this could pop. Any minute. But what's popping? We don't know what's in the egg. It's like when the gobbledygooker debuted at Survivor Series 92, I think. So lame. But they just had a giant egg there and they advertised it and you didn't know what was going to come out of the egg. Well, we know it's Jackson Dart. He's already hatched from his egg. We don't know where he's landing. What do we know? Well, what we know is he has already visited Oklahoma. He has visited Ole Miss. He was rumored and even reported to be on campus at Brigham Young, uh, known by some as the acronym, but I can't pronounce the Y. That's been established on this show, so I just say Brigham Young University. And that was yesterday. That was as recently as yesterday. So we've got Oklahoma. We've got Ole Miss. we got potentially Brigham Young there. And he's from Utah, so it makes sense if you're trying to figure out what is, what is one doesn't look like the other there. It's, it, there's a reason they're there. I'm still leaning Ole Miss here. And that's because it's feel. I feel like Ole Miss is the best fit. I know they feel good. Hummer talked about it too. Ole Miss feels good. You don't often talk to folks this late in the game who say we don't feel particularly great, but Ole Miss does feel good about their chances. And here's really what it comes down to. Matt Corral's on his way out. So if you just view this from 50,000 feet, it feels like Jackson Dart has a, an immediate opportunity to walk in and start for Lane Kiffin. That's what it feels like. Whereas at o Oklahoma, 
they've brought in Dylan Gabriel. But here's another important note that was in this feature today. Oklahoma's entire angle in trying to attract Jackson Dart has been selling competition. And they've sold the ability to come in and compete with Dylan Gabriel, who was the transfer from UCF. And the part A there is maybe you just beat him out and you win. The part B is they're trying to sell him on even if you don't win the job, you come in, he starts one year, and then you're right there and you're in prime position. You should be in no hurry. You got plenty of time. I don't know how effective that's going to be. It sounds like they've done as good a job as they can of using that approach to try and attract him. Uh, but I do want to emphasize Brigham Young seems like a real threat here, too. So those are three. And I, I mean, it literally would not shock me if by the time we went off the air tonight, we knew something. Because no one really knows what the hangup ever is. So I mean, it could be as something as simple as he's trying to make a graphic or he's trying to get a video shot. Who knows? So we're on their, we're on their uh, clock right now. Now, as of a couple of days ago, we've got all kinds of portaling, which is a verb now, a lot of portaling out of Athens, Georgia. JT Daniels, quarterback, transfer portal. That was somewhat expected. I don't think we've seen the last quarterback transfer out of Athens or portal. What was not nearly as expected, what took a lot of people by surprise, was wide receiver Jermaine Burton also entering the transfer portal. That one raised some eyebrows. And so that's a guy who it looked for all the world uh, like he was going to be an integral part of the passing game this year. He was injured and, you know, he didn't really put up big numbers. Brock Bowers was the main passing threat there. George Pickens came back later in the year. Well, Jermaine Burton has entered the transfer portal. He did it the same day that Stetson Bennett announced he was coming back, which was also the same day that JT Daniels announced. It was like someone had the pause button hit and then they walked back in. And they press play, and everybody announced their intentions for the upcoming season. So that was a little unexpected. Jermaine Burton can be a big player. He could be a big player at Georgia. I think he's going to be a very, very key piece of someone's offense wherever he goes. Alabama's in this. Alabama was very much in the Keishon Butte picture. And for some reasons behind the scenes, that kind of went quiet. And who knows if that ever cranks back up again. If it does, I can assure you it would be after spring. But I think Alabama's in the market for one more receiver. That's my personal feel. Whether it's Jermaine Burton or not remains to be seen. As you can see, guys are still entering the portal. So we'll see about that. But you're hearing a lot of Alabama behind the scenes. LSU is there. A&M's there. Maryland is there. I think he's close to baby Tua. Talia Tongavailoa, in other words. So um, I don't know how figured out that picture is yet. And again, you never know to what degree a guy is in a hurry. And you also have to check with the academic situation at each university. But keep an eye on that one, Jermaine Burton. And then at Georgia, let's keep an eye on that quarterback situation probably after spring practice. Maybe before, but I would probably expect, and a lot of people around the program expect that after spring, you may see some more movement there. Uh, there was another move today that I don't want to gloss over. Jarek Bernard Converse, who is a, well, you may not know his name, but you've probably watched him play. He is a first-team All-Big 12 defensive back out of Oklahoma State, and he entered his name into the portal today. He's a four-year starter, started a ton of games. He's played a ton of ball. Uh, that's going to be a very, very highly sought-after corner defensive back guy. So we don't have a ton of information on him right now, uh, but he's the real deal and would translate his skills very favorably to pretty much any defense in the country, I would expect a whole lot of big names to come after him. Look, there's some stuff on the up and up happening out there. 
there's some shady stuff happening out there. I was told today, I will not mention any names, but I was told today about a high profile player from the G5 level who has heard from a vast majority of teams in a conference. And you may say, well, isn't that tampering if he's not in the portal? And I would say to you, yeah, that's pretty much what they call that. That is tampering. But yet it's happening, kids. It's a, it's a dirty world out there. You really, really got to button your shirt up tight before you head out the door right now in the portal. Uh, because sometimes you don't have to be in the portal to pretend like you're in the portal and people treat you like you're in the portal. That's where we are right now. It is a very confusing time, a very hazy time. But when this happens, the title of the show tonight was kind of taking time bombs. When Harbaugh happens, it's going to be a big, big deal if it does go down. When Caleb Williams announces wherever he's going, especially if it's not USC, it would be a mega deal. Either way, it's a huge deal. Jackson Dart, whenever he announces, that's going to be a big deal. And as you can tell, kind of a lot of nervous energy around the show because we're just waiting. We're just waiting. Uh, the Mood Tracker is your favorite segment on the show, as it turns out. The Mood Tracker, we put it on pause for the season for obvious reasons, and then we get into this time of year, and we can take a healthy inventory of the temperature of a fan base. So tonight, the Mood Tracker rolls on, and we're headed up to Happy Valley, and we're going to State College, Pennsylvania, and it is Penn State Mood Tracker night, and I did not appreciate how complex this situation is. Producer Jesse is a Penn State grad, and I asked him today, Jesse, we're doing Penn State tonight. What's your mood? And then you just see the bubbles, and there's bubbles, and there's bubbles. And it's like, Jesse, I just want four or five words. Why are you typing this much? And he ended up telling me, look, it's, it's very complicated. So I went over to lions247.com. Surely these folks will make sense of this for me. And I said, I'm talking about it on the show tonight. Look, I need your honest, sage opinion. What is the mood here? How are you feeling? Five words or less about Penn State. Then I went to the gym. And I came back, and what I expected was, I expected 10 or 15 responses. I get back, and I go to the Penn State board. I'm actually pulling it up right now. There, is, uh, there are 100 responses to this, about 5,000 views, and we are several pages deep on this thread. We are four pages deep on this thread right now. And what I've come to realize is it's so complex because it's fragmented. The mood around Penn State football right now is fragmented not divided. I didn't say divided, because if I were to tell you it's divided, that would be the classic camp A versus camp B. We've got like 14 camps here. There are several different moods around Penn State football, so it's fragmented. But I want to be very careful with how I state that. There aren't very many people who are bailing on the program. It's not like that. It's not a bunch of James Franklin on the hot seat. It's not a bunch of, oh, we're screwed. I'm just going to give up and I'll come back you know, in, in better days, brighter days. It's not like that. There are just varying degrees of hope. Um, there's, there's some jaded sides of things. There's some eternal optimistic side of things, but it's just fragmented. So here's what it sounds like. If you do not have access to this thread, subscribe to 247sports.com and go check it out. But if you don't, I'll just tell you, I'll just sum it up. You got several camps. One of the camps would sound like this. One of the camps would say, you need to have some perspective here because it's very obvious. If we do nothing more than go back to the Iowa game this past year and Sean Clifford, our quarterback, doesn't get hurt, we win that game. If they win the Iowa game, they're 6-0. They go into the bye week. They come out of the bye week. Their remaining schedule would be Illinois. I have a sneaking suspicion they don't lose that game if Clifford's not hurt. At Ohio State, at Maryland, 
Michigan, Rutgers at Michigan State. They go from seven and five, which is what they actually ended with, to what? 10 and two? And at that point, you're celebrating the season, and all you did was change one injury. Quarterback, big position. But one camp would say, listen, the, the reality is, we just suffered some bad luck this past year. But then there's another camp that would come in, and they'd say, well, it's not like we disagree with you wholeheartedly, but you're not telling the whole story there. And Camp A would say, okay, what do you mean? They'd sit back, put their pipe in their mouth. And then Camp B would say, well, did you watch Georgia football this year, for example? And Camp A would say, yeah, what are you getting at? Camp B says, well, Georgia lost JT Daniels, who was their starting quarterback. They never saw him again. He never came back. And they took the backup, who's a former walk-on, and they kind of won a national championship with him. And then Camp A would say, yeah, I watched the game. What's your point? And Camp B would say, why didn't we have our quarterback situation figured out? Like, did it never occur to anyone? You know, Sean Clifford could get hurt one day. And then when he gets hurt, we don't have anything. Then Camp C, who's kind of sitting over here as an innocent neutral bystander so far, they say, wait a second. Now I got something to say about that. And Camp C comes in and says, we kind of did have our quarterback situation set up, but then the evil transfer portal came along and it snatched Will Levis, our backup from us, and he ended up being the starting quarterback down at Kentucky. And so is it really all that fair to criticize the coaching staff? Because even though they did technically have the quarterback situation figured out, how many teams out there can afford to lose their backup and then have their starter go down and still just cruise merrily along? And then Camp D would come in, we're only four camps deep. There's like 10 more to go. I'm not going to list them all. But Camp D would come in and it would sound something like this. And this is the camp that wants to sound high and mighty and probably intellectually above the room, even though they're making good points. And they would say, look, quarterback hurt or not, were we really going to win the Big Ten this year? I mean, our offensive line was very suspect. Our running back play was very suspect. We had Jahan Dotson out there and couldn't get him the ball half as much as we should have gotten it to him. But I want to ask this. How serious are we really about this whole thing? I mean, it's not like our facilities and infrastructure situation just magically vanished because we had James Franklin sign a new piece of paper here. And I'll go this far too. Camp D would say, you ever heard of NIL? How serious are we about that? How committed are the powers that be around here to really putting our best foot forward when it comes to staying at the forefront of the evolutionary aspects of this game? Are the right people ready to step up there? And so it's just, it would go on and on and on and on. And you would have some people say, look, I guess we know what our ceiling is until we get quarterback figured out. And then you'd have another camp that says, look, I mean, I trust our coaching staff to get good players in here. I don't know that we have the best tacticians on game day. And then you'd have another camp that says, how would you ever know that? We would have been 6-0 and and set up for a second half run with our current setup if our quarterback hadn't gone down. It's not like the coaching staff got him injured. It would never end. I've got evidence because I'm looking at this thread right now. Even as we're live, there are people posting in this thread. It's never ending, but it's got to end sooner or later. We got to get things figured out sooner or later. Here's the one commonality that everyone has. Everyone understands whether you're in camp A, B, 4, 9, 12, 13, or 18. They always say, but I really hope Drew Aller's the guy at quarterback. And that is, I think, some middle ground that we can all come to. It's the first five-star quarterback they've brought on campus since a guy named Christian Hackenberg. Seems like a long time ago. It really wasn't all that long ago. Sean Clifford has announced he's going to come back. That was met with a collective, okay, literally a yawn. Producer Jesse is all in. 
on the Drew Aller 22 campaign. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play this year or not, uh, but he is a guy who there is immense amounts of hope for the future of Penn State football riding on his shoulders. And a lot of people are fully invested. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I really hope they get it figured out. They're going to have to probably get production from a couple of young tailbacks this year. Offensive line has no choice but to get better. But Penn State, it's fragmented. It's not divided, fragmented. There are very few bailing, uh, but there are also very few people who are thrilled with the way things look right now. So we'll see. Very fragmented. And I don't know when we do the post-spring update that it's going to have changed a whole lot. Uh, but I was not ready for how complex and how layered the mood tracker ended up being for Penn State today. Because if you ask me to repeat what I just said, I think I just have to start all over from scratch and just scroll through this thread again. All right, uh, for those of you, again, I mentioned this earlier. I'm going to mention it again. Late Kick Extra podcast. We do it once a week. We may be extending that. Just, just hold on. Probably going to have an announcement on that within the next week or so. But I've been sort of as a new habit, throwing a little slice of that onto the end of Late Kick Live to just kind of give you an idea of what that feels like. So Jesse, how many do we have? Do we have two or three? I think we got two questions. Yeah, we got two questions. So let's tee those up. We got a huge new monitor in the studio. So it's like a, I'm looking at a movie screen of myself right now. I've seen better movies. I'll just put it that way. All right, Jesse, let's tee it up because I don't even have my email pulled up. So I'll just wait. All right, so the first question comes from Perry. He says, with all the moves recently by Arkansas via the transfer portal, do you see them making any headway in the brutal SEC West division? I think the answer is yes, and they already did. I can't stress enough. Arkansas, when you factor in everything, was one of the most impressive teams in the country this past year, in 2021. You may think to yourself, didn't they lose four games? They did lose four games, guys. Half of those losses were to the participants in the national championship game. How many teams out there? You can take the playoff teams. Take Cincinnati and Michigan. If I had them play Georgia and Alabama in the regular season, what's their record? I mean, Arkansas had no reasonable shot at making the playoff this past year. If I were to have kept that same team and given them an ACC schedule, or maybe a Big 12 schedule, maybe they do make the playoff. My point is, people keep asking this in the future tense. Is Arkansas going to make any headway? Dude, they're already making it. They already did this past year. Now, we understand... We have K.J. Jefferson back at quarterback. We're making some really good acquisitions in the transfer portal. Our buddies at College Football Nerds the other day, I thought made a really good point for all the folks focusing on Drew Sanders and focusing on, you know, the big wide receiver they got out of Oklahoma. They also got McLaughlin, the defensive back out of LSU. That's a big pickup for them. But they are proving, Sam Pittman's proving, like I said the other day, that's a destination. It's a destination for recruits. They got the number three class or four class, I want to say, in the 2023 cycle. But it's a destination in the transfer portal. And then there's this part three. Earlier today, if you were paying attention, there was breaking news. Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator there, chooses to remain at Arkansas. And there were some dissenting reports that said, oh, he never had an offer from Miami. I would bet you a lot of money. That job, that OC job at Miami was on the table for him. In fact, I'd bet you every dime I have right now, based on who I've talked to, the offer was there. He chose Arkansas. I'm not saying he didn't deliberate late into the night last night, but he chose to stay at Arkansas. A lot of people are doing that as of late, if you haven't noticed. Arkansas is a, I don't know how else to put it, is a destination now. And that has not always been the case. And it's pretty easy to see who to attribute that to. All right, next up, Jesse, I, man, I wish I could remember, but I don't. Here we go. So Trax Dodge, he says, 
How desperate does Georgia finally winning the national championship make Auburn? And why is that so hilarious? We did a segment on this. I don't know if it was last year or earlier in 2021. There's a very, very interesting dynamic, specifically in the Georgia-Auburn rivalry, that if you've been around it, you know, but if you haven't been around it, you don't really get it. So it's, a, it's an intense rivalry. They call it the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But there are a lot of rivalries in college football. This one was kind of unique because even though Georgia has had the far more consistent program over the last 15 years, whereas Auburn's had a couple of spikes and then they've had very mediocre seasons, some bad seasons, Auburn's always had one trump card that they could pull out of their back pocket. Even if a Georgia fan had them totally cornered and they were following the debate through to a logical conclusion and they were nine-tenths of the way there, Auburn fan only had to do one thing, and that's reach in their back pocket, pull out that 2010 national championship, and say, where's yours? 33 years old. You weren't even born the last time they won one. Shut up. And for a long time, that shut you up. You had to, you just, you had to swallow it, and you either had to reverse course or deflect to a new point in the debate. But now, guess what happens? What happens is you've had the more consistent program over a long period of time. You've had the upper hand in the rivalry for quite a while, and you just won a national championship. So that age-old trump card that they could pull out, you, just, you didn't rip it up. It's still there, but you got one in your back pocket now that looks a whole lot shiner, shinier and newer because it is. But what I've said about Auburn in years past is I'm not saying that they are happy with Nick Saban being at Alabama by any stretch. They, they despise uh, every cell of the guys being up there. But they've come to accept what Nick Saban at Alabama is. And they've come to accept they don't really bam. It, it may come as a surprise to you. They don't battle Alabama in recruiting. This is a huge misconception in the recruiting world. If you live in, um, yeah, let's say, Pierre, South Dakota, and you kind of follow recruiting, but you just assume some things. You would assume Alabama and Auburn probably fight it out on the recruiting trail every year. They really don't. They don't compete for the same kids more often than not these days. Uh, and it's not that Auburn's kind of white flagged it, but, but they understand uh, where they stand in the pecking order versus where Alabama does. And they've accepted it, even though they don't have to like it. But I've always said they can't have Georgia be there too. They cannot have Georgia also ascend to a level where they look and say, well, we can't match that either. You can't do that because, number one, you play both of them every year. Number two, they're your two biggest rivals. And number three, your fan base looks around and says, hold on a second now. I I've got friends uh, who live up in Noonan who are Georgia grads, and I donate the same amount they do. I, I got buddies who live up in Pelham who are Alabama grads. I donate. My check looks no different when it goes to Auburn than Jerry's up in Mountain Brook does when it goes to Tuscaloosa. So why should we accept scraps when they get filet mignon, as we would say in Harris County? You got a good point. And that's why I think this dynamic will probably shift here. Now you got to look at Auburn. There is no more uncertainty around any program in the SEC right now than at the univer or Auburn University. Not the University of Auburn, Auburn University. No one knows what's happening. You got coaches uh, looking at the exit door, Derek Mason. Uh, looks to be heavily involved with the defensive coordinator position at Oklahoma State. That is also something we're keeping a close eye on. And this time last year, I mean, I was thrilled that Brian Harson was able to get Derek Mason. It doesn't appear that there was a lot of gelling that went on. You heard later in the year, those two didn't even really talk to each other all that much. What a dynamic. Head coach and defensive coordinator, not really communicating all that much. 
That's, I don't really know how, how you function as a football program like that. But be that as it may, then you heard the Brian Harson smoke. And the thing about it is, Harson, just as a guy, just as kind of the way he carries himself, kind of seems like the coach that I want to root for because he doesn't really suffer fools and he's very hard-nosed and he's process-oriented and, and he has the way that he's going to do things and doesn't really care if you like it or not. Those are normally attributes that I admire in a coach. Having said that, uh, there's, there's also a certain level of communication and a certain level of cohesion that you have to have. You have to blend into the fabric of wherever it is you are, in this sport at least. It doesn't feel like he may have done that down there. And so people don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty around the future of Auburn. And the reason I'm teeing that up like this is because if there are changes, I'm not telling you anything's imminent, but if there end up being changes in the next 24 to 36 months for Auburn football, how critical will that hire be? They're all critical. But think about how critical that would be when you've got Alabama just what they have been for a long time, but then you got Georgia ascending to who knows what level. I can assure you LSU's not going to get worse under Brian Kelly. And oh, by the way, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M are about to lock up the highest rated recruited class in history. And you got to play every single one of those teams every year. That is a third of your schedule. 33% of your schedule is made up of Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly, and Jimbo Fisher. You want to talk about a pressure cooker. That is why I continue to maintain when you factor in everything, this is the toughest job in America. No, it's not, it's not as easy to win at Miami of Ohio as it is Auburn. Absolutely. It's a tougher thing to try and achieve at a high level in, uh, in, in the AAC than it is in the SEC. But here's the thing about it. When you're at East Carolina, they don't have the expectation level they do at Auburn. Auburn's got sky-high expectations, rightfully, in my opinion, because the fan base, they invest just like the other fan bases do. They're, they're not going to look around and say, all right, we're still going to invest in an A level, but we're just going to accept C-plus results. It's not the way it works in the real world or in this world. It's not the way it works. That's the toughest job in major college football right now. Brian Harson's got it. I don't know how for how long, but Brian Harson's got it. But that whole dynamic and Kirby Smart winning a national title at Georgia, you can't imagine unless you're really close to it on the ground. You can't imagine the pressure that already was there, how much that, that temperature knob gets turned all the way past 10 to 11. Very uncomfortable times. All right, we're done. We didn't have any news break today during the show at least, so who knows what happens. But once we go off air, we go off air and it's not our responsibility. So thank you so much for being tuned in. Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram, because obviously if this stuff happens, who knows, we may have a Twitter spaces thing we jump into. Uh, we got all kinds of things that happen there that don't happen on the show. At Late Kick Josh on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for producer Jesse, for director Colin. I'm Josh Bates. Have yourselves a great rest of your evening and God bless. series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.